Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Pondering Puton with Ajushi Otaro and Hachimitsu Boy. I'm a nameless lackey, and this is my co-host, Neve. Uh, I'm today. <laughs> today, we'll be taking the next step on our bloody path to power uh, by discussing Ambitions for Empire, Chapter 13 of the Cromarty High School manga. Um, and uh, I, for one, I don't know about you, um, I, for one, definitely am not uh, currently perpetrating a criminal empire of any kind. Um, so this chapter didn't move me at all. And I really have, um, I really don't have anything to say. Um, so that's pretty much, I think that's all, that's all I got for this one. Okay. Well, uh, thank you for joining us today. Next time we will be reading chapter 14 from volume one. You can find the full schedule at exportaudio slash puton schedule. Uh, if you have questions for, oh, we got emails. Should we do emails? Oh, I mean, we yeah. have time. Emails, yeah. Um, I don't know anything about those emails. Uh, so you can't unless unless my attorney is. Um, what emails are you talking about again? Uh, people sent questions to the ghostdiverspod at gmail dot com. Oh. Um, Oh yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Um, do Do you want me to read these two, or do you need to call up your attorney first? No, no. It's no. D- don't worry about that. I was just joking. You know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just a joke. Um. Shall I Shall I just read them? Yeah. Was that yeah, what go ahead. Just it. It would be better if like if you you. Read I mean, them. you're the host. We haven't done emails before. How do I do this, Connor? You You know it's. This. It would be better if if you read them, you know, just because okay. it as the as the like lo- owner of the email account, I can read right, them I guess. exactly. The, yeah, the, the email account really has no connection to me. Um, yeah, and I don't really want to be recorded, you know, reading the whatever might be on these. So yeah, so uh, this first one comes to us from Juan. Uh, this one is titled "Stairwells." Uh, and and Joao says, hello, Connor and Neve. Can a movie be evil? We answered this one on stairwells as well, uh, because I wasn't sure if it was for um, Pondering Putan since it came to the Ghost Divers email or if it was for stairwells because the the title of the email was stairwells. But mm-hmm. um, I figure I'd give you a crack at it. I said, yes, of course, a movie can be evil. Obviously. Did you say any any specific examples? Uh, Triumph of the Will. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that does make it, a. once you bring in, like, you know, fascist propaganda, um, <laughs> that definitely, uh, that definitely changes the conversation. Um, yeah. I was going to try and come up with something funny, um, well, Although, what, what's what's truly evil about uh, Triumph of the Will is that it's fascist propaganda that continues to be taught because, uh, oh, it, it was, like, so important. I think there's form, a place. Formally, like. Yes. The, yeah. Like, the, the form is, like, significant or whatever. Uh, I think there is a place for talking about Triumph of the Will. Like, I, I took a course focused on film propaganda and then 
part of that course was also about like to what degree does all film function as propaganda, and that is a course yeah, in which like watching Virchow and thesis. Yeah, watching and and thinking about and like analyzing like how does film operate as propaganda, it then makes sense to make one of the most like notable propaganda films um, that that have existed. Uh, but like your intro to film course, I just don't know if you need to be teaching Triumph of the Will, and the mm-hmm. the fact that it continues to like permeate as like. Like, I think you can teach about it, but I don't know if you need to sit people down and, and of all the movies that you can show them, show them Triumph of the Will because, oh, it's propaganda, but it's so important or whatever. I, I think the, that the continuing to hold it up as like a, an important formal object beyond like its place as propaganda is a thing that continues to reinscribe this propagandistic idea that like what Nazi Germany was doing was exceptional. Um, and I just think you can resist that more. Yeah. So yeah. A there movie can there be is evil. a little bit of, um, a little bit or a lot bit of a kind of like fetishism in the, mm-hmm. the teaching of the, the film and the discussion of the film. Um, because I like, from like a formalist standpoint, um, there is obviously a lot to talk about and a, a lot, um, a lot of like, uh, how should I put this? Um, there is like a formal richness, um, even as it is like all bent to serve, um, you know, these blatantly propagandistic ends. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad that when it was taught to me, um, it was in a documentary film course and we did it alongside like man with a movie camera. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the discussion was a lot more, uh, like focused on exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, like, I think there is a way to teach it, but I think there's a, I think it is often overemphasized. When I, when I see it on like a list of like greatest movies that you must see before you die, like 1001 greatest movies or whatever. Um, yeah, that's when that's I when especially bulk at it where I'm like, it, this needs to be like within a context when you are like showing it and talking about it, I think, um, beyond just like it being in a book of like an important movie to watch that maybe has a little note that it was propaganda or whatever, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, but also um, some of the formalist stuff that happens in there, um, you can also find in other films, including films of the, that time. So um, there's also like a, well, it's still important. It, it's the same with like D.W. Griffith of like, there are other innovations happening in editing around that time. Um, the like overemphasis of Birth of a Nation um it is also like specifically just for how it's doing editing is I think also a thing that like is worth at least interrogating like to why is it that this is the one that we're continuing to teach as like this really important breakthrough for editing. Um, are there other things that we can like turn to or look to from around that same time um, without like holding up the, the, this specifically like very propagandistic uh, racist movie as the like super exceptional one. Um, yeah, yeah. The fixation on, um, on birth of a nation, like specifically as opposed to like intolerance or even though that movie obviously has problems too. Yeah. Um, Like it, 
it, it does kind of give away um a, again some of this like fetishism of like yeah. oh this you know politically reviled object that we're still going to like include as like a you know there there's something like fetishistic about like the fact that it's um politically repugnant i think um yeah where people like want to want to engage with it um and that's fine but like that kind of uh the form of engagement that that is hap- ends up happening is like <laughs> probably not um ideal <laughs> yeah um, um yeah. I feel like we've so, answered. Yeah, movie can Do you be feel evil. like we've answered? Yeah, movie can um, be evil. Yeah, evil is like the you know, that raises the stakes cuz then it's like, you know, you're making uh like mannequin pronouncements or whatever. Um but a movie can certainly be harmful to an extreme degree. Um yeah. and yeah, we'll we'll just say evil. Um everything Everything can be evil. Of course, the wind can be evil. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, this next email comes in from uh Juo as well. Uh, this one is titled "Pondering Putan but says, "Hello, Autumn and Neve." Uh, this is the most perplexing email that we've gotten. Uh, so I'm gonna read the full text. Uh, "Hello, Autumn and Neve." Five nights at Freddy's. Hugs, Juo, and then there are two images attached. Um, the first one, do you want to describe the images or do you want me to do this? Um, no, I'm, I'm good at describing images. Okay. Um, so it's, uh, it's a painting, um, of a a figure. (laughs) Yeah. How am I doing so far? Um, Yeah. And the background is bright green. Uh, the figure is, um, like a kind of uh, burnt orange. Uh, it The figure has a very long neck and kind of like sl- uh, slipping shoulders, um, but not very well-defined uh, upper body. We mostly just see like neck and head. Uh, very mm-hmm. long neck. Um, and then the head is like barely wider than the neck. Um, so it's basically just like a very stock-like uh, cephalic uh, structure. That's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the face uh, almost looks like uh, for, when I saw this, I'm just like deer person. Yeah. But also there's something tree like happening as well with the, the way that the antlers are done. Yeah. It, it looks kind of like a deer person, but also like um, what, what do you call is so embarrassing. We have a Lord of the Rings podcast on in the network. What are, what are the tree people in Lord of the They wrap and Ents. Ent. Ent. Yeah, Ents. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, I kind of... Um, a mix between those two things. And then, like, antler-like, branch-like antlers um, on either yeah. side. But very frustratingly, um, I, don't, I, th- I think it's just the painting itself. It's very asymmetrical. So there's, like, a lean to the figure. Um, mm-hmm. Towards and we the, don't even the left get, side of the canvas from like viewer perspective. Yeah, and we don't even get like it's like fifty percent of the left horn, and then probably like sixty five percent of the right horn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's something that's just like clearly 
hidden if you look on like the right side there towards the middle yeah. a little below the middle there's it's something just, like, that's just little... completely obscured by the frame um, yeah and you said it's sort of a uh like a burnt orange color but that's specifically like the neck and body uh and then there's sort of this blue outline that's kind of <clears throat> also giving us some shadow uh like the nose is that blue uh the line around the face the the eyes are drawn in that blue uh there's a little dot for the mouth uh like it's yeah, making just like a an small o. like pinprick yeah. dot and the the antlers <clears throat> are this blue and then the face is like a, a cream color it's like a little bit of an off-white yeah but in spite of the other aspects of this painting that are frustrating um the expression uh, the figure's expression is uh, is very captivating. I, I feel yeah. um, the the top of the the eyes are sort of lidded. Um, yeah, yeah, lidded, but not in like a um, fatigued way. There's a kind of yeah. uh, there's a kind of coolness about the about the expression. Um, yeah, that's and very, this is like, a, a very like minimal graphic style. Um, yeah, like it's like yeah. solid blocks of color. the The one that has the most variation in it is the the green background, where you get a little bit uh, of, um, you can kind of see the brushwork the most there, and you get yeah. like some higher brightness, uh, or like higher saturation, lower saturation, where like the yeah, it's thinner are, in some areas. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and then the second the second image, um, is uh, so here we have what. So, like, first looking at it, it looks like a purely um, abstract piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is mostly consisting of um, brown and uh, white, uh, shades of yeah. brown and white. Like um, a very dark brown around, like, the the left and bottom edges. Um, yeah. But otherwise, it's a fairly light brown. Um, yeah. What this reminds me of honestly is um when i was in high school the so i lived in a parsonage but the the church decided that they wanted to remodel the kitchen um and so for a while our kitchen was just like ripped up and where they would like pull the tiles away you would kind of get this like weird from the the like grout or whatever there and you kind of have like where they had tried to scrape off the tile uh tile so you get sort of the like the higher brightness white parts that are like have the scrape texture it really reminds me of that kind of feel um of like you you've taken tile away or something definitely um to me it has a very uh, de Kooning uh, feel to it with the, the scraping, the very, very like yeah. rough, rough brushwork. Um, almost like um, just a very like aggressive, um, jagged uh, swipes of the brush. Um, mm-hmm. And then especially that like that raw, like scraping um, texture. Yeah, uh, there's also a little bit of Rothko in this in terms of like it just being like a a square block uh, of yeah. sort of color. Whereas Rothko is going to usually break it up into multiple sort of blocks. Um, this is sort of just a solid one that has some of that like white texture then. But yeah, yeah. It, I feel like it's kind of a, a little bit in both of those territories. Definitely. Um, here, I think the, the difference being that we, we don't really have any recognized recognizable geometric shapes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of like a flow. Um, you can definitely feel like a, you can perceive a kind of areas of motion. Um, mm-hmm. 
but uh, nothing like solidly uh, geometric. Yeah, the the dominant is that like the sort of to, and it's probably a brushstroke, but it has this feeling of like scraped. Um, the the white, uh, there's a a fair amount in kind of the the bottom uh, left corner, uh, and a, a, most of it is kind of especially like on the left side, just going straight down. And then on the right side, you get some that like are sort of going down along the right, right side and then curve as they get to the, the bottom right corner to then mm-hmm. scrape into the the uh, left side there. So I'm, I'm also noticing, um, I don't want to leave this out, but I just noticed it. The bottom like eighth of the painting um, has a much darker, um, almost black, very dark brown, almost burnt effect on the bottom. Um, mm-hmm. very bottom of the painting um, um there's which adds some an, an interesting uh like contrast and in the white scrapes you sometimes get um these white circles where you you have like a little bit of the the brown in the middle and then sort of a circle around it um yeah and then and then we have this red frame which is a really to me, very weird, weird choice for, for yeah. a frame. Um, it's almost as if this was just like a frame that someone had lying around and they just needed a frame um, mm-hmm. and just threw this in there. Uh, but I don't know. Um, it does look, a, the frame looks a little bit weathered. Like someone just kind of had it lying around. They've been using it for a few years. Yeah. Um, and it had sort of a gloss on it, but some of the gloss looks like it's started to wear off in points. Yeah. There's also like a, a gold bevel on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. This was definitely like, this frame was used for something else at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, By the way, the so, frame for the previous one is sort of a natural light wood. Um, and you're just sort of getting the, the wood uh, color there. Yeah. Um, that frame, I think, works a little better. Yeah. Um, so, uh, to to Joao's question, I will pose a question. Um, we won't Joao. We won't answer your question until you answer ours. Um, did you paint these? Right in next time with with the answer. All right. Um, next question. Next question. Uh, subject: Puton question. This comes in from Aiden. Uh, Aiden says, can you tell me the name of the dialogue font used in the ADV release of Karate High School? I can't find the name. I know it was used for the logo of High C Fruit Punch in the 2000s and emailed the design firm that made the logo, but they never <laughs> responded. Please help. Um, I, I don't know the name of this font. I was looking uh, when I first got this email to see if I could find it in like the the back of the the volume. Because I, I have the print one, um, but I didn't see any mention of like what fonts they used. Um, did you figure out who the? I, I mean, I'm I'm impressed that Aiden figured out the design firm um, and contacted them. Yeah, uh, I'm tempted to to do that as well, but first we need yeah. to figure out who the design firm is. I might also see if I can find because I know like ADV manga imploded, but I'm wondering if I like send something to like regular because like there's still some ADV out there. I think like ADV itself still exists. I just don't think they have the manga imprint. I think that's what happened. 
Um, um, so, Neve, since you're in charge of the email account, I could you do me a favor? Sure. Um, the do you see the auto responses at the bottom of this here? Oh, um, use the middle one. Just send the middle one back. Oh, I will find out. Okay, Period. yeah, I will. I will send that. Uh, okay. Let me let me swap over to the. I did these on my phone. Oh wait, I bet I don't think I get the auto ones on the laptop. So I'll do this. On well, my that's phone. okay. We already know where it is. Yeah, um, I will send that then. Um, okay, and then the final one. Um, I'll read this and I'll, I'll send the email while you start off here. Uh, this comes in from Export Audio. I'm I'm pretty sure this is Autumn who sent this in. Um, the uh, it starts with hi. Autumn and Connor. <laughs> but I think it's Autumn who sent this in. Anyway, as you approach the end of Volume 1, a few questions. Uh, we'll take this one at a time. So first, how do you feel about the Jacksonville Jaguars long-term? What weaknesses do you think uh, the players or the front office should work on to improve our team beyond this season? Okay, I'm going to let you take this one first. Because you, um, we were talking before the pod, and you had some really... Uh, strong opinions about this. Yeah, I, I'm still, I'm, I'm figuring out how to respond on on Gmail to to Aiden's question. Uh, I do really <laughs> want to fire this off right now. So if you can, if you can start this one out, um, yeah. I would appreciate it. I, I know that I feel really strongly about this, but I feel like very, I, I want to do due diligence for Aiden here. So yeah, yeah, um, no. I'll, I'll, I'll speak yeah. for both of us because this is really, um. Uh, a lot of these are your you. You points. already know what I think because I was ranting about it. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, it's tough to get this question after yesterday. Um, mm, yeah. uh, like another major, um, another major choke, basically, um, against a team that you know the Giants are uh, a beatable team. Um, Mm -hmm. and the Jaguars could have really gotten some momentum back if they had won that game. Um, but I, I also like, I expect them to lose to the giants. The giants are like five and one. Now they're one of the best teams in the NFL record wise. Um, I'm okay with them losing to the giants. The problem is they continue to lose games in the exact same way. Um, yeah. By making like key backbreaking mistakes um in moments where it's just not excusable um like specifically ETN's fumble uh for a touchback uh before halftime um and then uh some of the like the other thing that's really infuriating are these personal foul um penalties yeah, that the defense I was about is to say. um it's almost like comical at this point that on like every I think it's been like three or four games in a row now. Um, Mm -hmm. Every game in this losing streak, there's been a key juncture where the other team is like driving to either take the lead um, or uh, to like steal the game. And it's a a different guy every time commits uh, some stupid personal foul. This time it was a uh, a Luokun getting the roughing the passer, which it was a shitty call, but like you can't, put the team in that position. You're not doing anything by launching into the passer at that point. 
Um, yeah. You have to have better awareness. Like that's a huge turnover with the interception that you've just wiped off. Um, that could have totally turned the tide of the game. Um, so I'd say the long-term outlook part of this for me is like, they're a young team. Um, they're coming from yeah. a very toxic or, uh, organizational situation. First of all, with the Jaguars, um, where there's just like it, this seems like intangible, but it does take time to turn around the mentality and the culture of a losing organization. Um, but also more immediately the urban Meyer tenure, um, I think just destroyed the morale of a lot of these young players. Um, I was encouraged early on by Doug Peterson, um, the way he was able to, uh, kind of jolt some life back into them, uh, and get them to close out a few games. But now I think it's more of like a regression to the mean. Um, and this is like kind of who they are at this point. Um, they're a young team. They're learning how to win. They're overcoming some bad habits. Um, I think they're explosive. They've got some good players. Uh, I would like to see a little bit more consistency um, from some of the key uh, building blocks. Um, I'd like to see Trayvon Walker make more of an impact. I'd like to see Trevor Lawrence um, be more secure with football, although he did well yesterday. Um, ETN obviously stopped making huge mistakes. Um, he had a couple major fumbles this season. He's had a couple bad drops. Um, but overall, I think if I'm being objective about it, um, I think the long-term outlook is good. Uh, I just think there's some growing pains that are happening right now. Um, and there's still a lot of games left to be played this year. I'd like to see them, um, in ideal world, I'd like to see them go 500 the rest of the year. I think that's probably the best reasonable uh, possibility. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. Th- was well, there anything that that I know you had some other some thoughts on the um, the defensive backfield that I, I didn't touch on? Yeah, I mean. The thing is, if I get into it, like that's just gonna be the rest of this podcast, and I want to, I want to get to these other questions that I'm sent in. Um, right. So, you know, maybe next time, maybe next okay. podcast, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to chime. We'll have another game too to talk about, so um, that'll be good. Um, <clears throat> but Autumn also asks, how would you rate the stairs in Cromartie High School? Um, so, so far we haven't really had any other than a step letter, a step ladder. It feels a little unfair to, to rate the stairs before we even get to the end of the volume, but like, I could still give it like a B for that step ladder because it is like a, a key punchline at the end. Um, yeah, I, think I don't that's, know how you feel. I think that's as high as we can go. Um, yeah, there's just not enough for me. Volume is a, is an important part of, um, rating stairwells. Um, if you only have one stairwell, it's kind of like, but if you have a like a flimsy. really fucking good stairwell, but that's oh, also in yeah. a movie where it's, an a- and it's a little bit different. Yeah. If it's an know. A plus stairwell, then it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, if it's like the centerpiece and 
It's the only stairwell for a reason. But like um, the stairwell can... in Utena is an S, but if you only saw it in one episode and there were no other stairs ever in Utena, I don't know if the Utena would get an S. You know? Yeah. Because it, it's Utena so long compared to a, a movie. Yeah, you might get an A from like, damn, that stairwell scene where she goes up is really great. Um, but the fact that it recurs and there are other great stairs in Utena, that is like S rank stairs right there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think has... especially longer works, the, the repetition is important or the like yeah. recurrence of good stairs. Definitely. But who knows? We're still a long way from Hayashida going on a mythic quest. So, um, <laughs> you know, there could be some great stairs in there. Oh yeah. I'm sure there will be, there'll be lots of stairs. Yeah. There's actually like, there's a whole arc that's just about stairs. Um, I don't think that's true, but there might be some good stairs. I'm not, I'm not, it's there. I'm not writing it out yet. Uh, do, do we feel like we answered that one? B. B. Yeah. B. So far. B. Um, all right. And then the final question here is what would Andre Bazen think of paranoia agent? I, uh, I don't think Bazen is f- too fond of cartoons. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that would throw that would throw a pretty significant wrench into a lot of his to a lot of yeah. his uh, I'll have to see if it. he's written much about animation cuz he's so much about live action and like reality and live action. I don't know if he's talked at all about animation. Um I'm sure he has, but it's like not what I think of him for. But yeah. Maybe he hasn't. I'll have to look into that. I'll have to see if he's talked about animation. Um, but I, yeah, I feel we'll like you to... generally, it's also like so much about representing something that's like unreal, uh, or, or, you know, messing with reality. I just don't think he would be that big of a fan. Um, well, that was well timed. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Next time we'll be reading chapter 14 from volume one. You can find the full schedule at export.io slash Putin schedule. Of course, you already know that because I said that at the very beginning of this episode. If you have questions for us, like the ones that we just ran through this throughout this entire episode, send them into ghostdiverspod at gmail.com. You can get early access to episodes of this podcast and many others becoming $1 patron of the network at exportodd.io and listen a week before the public feeds. Or for $5, get exclusive access to Pop Down Funk, a weekly podcast where Autumn and Nora roll a random Funko Pop and have to watch something from that media franchise. I'm going to slow down for a second and do like a little bit of a bigger pitch of uh, really do support the network. I feel like most people who are listening to this podcast right now probably support the network. We don't have that many people who listen in the free feed. Um, I know there's like four or eight of you or something. It's it's a pretty low number. Um, I still encourage you to do that. Um, it supports the show. Uh, if you're a big fan of what we do on Ghost Divers, uh, you don't get any like early stuff with, with Ghost Divers, but it's still a great way to support us um, even there. Uh, also, a, a really big thing to do is rate and review us uh, on whatever your podcast app is, uh, but especially Apple Podcasts seems to be the one that matters for some reason. Um, so if you're if you're able to like get into iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever, uh, leave a, a rating and a review, especially for for Ghost Divers, because I want to bury the review that said that we need speech therapy uh, because I got <laughs> speech therapy as a kid because I sounded too faggy. So like that review continues to annoy me. Um, yeah. I just want to see it like get buried with good reviews. So if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you're a fan of Connor and I, uh, please try to get those reviews in. Uh, you can do that for lots of 
stuff on the the network because honestly proud of the work that we're doing um do you want to do you want to say anything else before i i get into i go back to Uh, saying stuff quick uh two things um i also got speech therapy um so yeah fuck that review um and also uh uh the jaguars still need better receivers um number one they need a solid number one x receiver who can get open Mm -hmm. in in man-to-man um that's the number one thing that they need to get this offseason yeah i agree wholeheartedly we've talked about this but yeah yeah uh, if you like listening to us talk, we do a lot more of that over at Ghost Divers, which you can find at exportaudio slash Ghost Divers or by searching Ghost Divers on your podcast app of choice. You can find the show at Pondering or at Ponder Putan on Twitter or just at Putan on co-host. You can follow me at Foxwomnia on Twitter co-host and also Letterboxd, which I normally don't promo. Where can people find you, Connor? Uh, y'all can follow me at Rabelais, R-E-B-B-L-E-A-I-S on uh, Twitter and co-host. And our opening theme is Nanganante by Yoshida Takaro, and taking us out today is Line by Nakamura Yuma. This is one of the weirdest polls for class dismissed.